With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. You're listening to the Law of Attraction Radio Network. We have begun a new calendar and another 25,000 year cycle as we journey into a new realm of reality through the windows in your mind. We now begin with the knowledge of humanity and its divine origins from intergalactic conversations from the past and present. Let us look through a window into the ever-evolving consciousness and explore new possibilities with our place in the cosmos and the quantum world. Grandmother Parisha of Cherokee Heritage reveals the wisdom of the ancient past that will lead us into a peaceful future. Experience the love and peace through the exceptional wisdom of Grandmother Parisha as she shares science and ancient knowledge merged together to benefit all of humanity. Greetings, this is Windows in Your Mind, and I'm your host, Parisha, and we're exploring universal knowledge and a whole lot of universal conversations that are happening. This journey is always one that takes us just outside, just whatever we would consider normal range and frequency of being human. Today what I want to talk about is something that's been really showing up a great deal in the various groups and places I go and teach in the many, many hundreds of conferences that I do over a month's period in time. And one of those particulars is people actually starting to grasp, and this is so exciting to me, people are grasping the fact that we are much bigger or much more than just the human uh, organic mass that lives, breathes, and has its being, okay? So the 9 to 5 consciousness is starting to look outside for bigger and better answers is at least some extension to what that is. So there's the kind of that song I think Peggy Lee used to sing, like, is that all there is? And people are getting extraordinary results from those answers from within themselves, not just what they can reach out and find, but within themselves. And I find that extremely exciting and ready and happy to be a part of that. So basically then as we look at what that means, it's I'd like to take you on a little adventure of particular what I would consider ancient people's perspective on that particular question. So it's going to take you through a little science and some, you know, physics and stuff and then just back to looking at things. When we look at the artworks, some people are calling it, or sacred places on our planet, each one is in place and by certain particular peoples of various consciousnesses that was always relating to like the same thing. We're dependent on the clock. They understood the sun, the moon, and the heavens, and the stars. So their particular measure of a day or a life had to do with how the heavens unfolded. We have become more like mouse consciousness that we're just dealing with what's in front of our nose. But in then in doing that, beloveds, we're shutting down a tremendous amount of the very nature of what we are and the very massive uh, uh, quality or quantity of what that is, okay? So and the things that we're looking at, like the winter solstice, the impression of the winter solstice that we've just undergone, is that starting as of 2013, there was a turning a corner, so to say. And many people had all kinds of conceptions of that. It was supposed to be the end of the world. Some people were saying that the Mayans were saying that this was the end of mankind. It was never anything based on that, just the opposite. It was the continuation of mankind and our evolution, okay? So, and the Mayans, especially the Mayans, was never looking at it as some dreadful end of the world, okay? That was just insanity. Some, some mis, very misunderstood people there, okay? So, basically, we go to looking at that. So, 2013, we started to 
move into turning that corner a little more. And I really mean move, actively moving, okay? So that you had the Inuit people over the last five years totally aware that when they set their compass to where the sun rises to come meet the sun, it, the sun began to move and be more off to one side or the other of that, okay? And reported that constantly with little or no attention. And finally, people started paying attention to it because other people started noticing in other parts of the world, hey, the sun doesn't come exactly over that house where it used to. It comes over the neighbor's house, you know? Stuff like that where people had to start paying attention to something happening. Then, lo and behold, the cosmologists tell us, okay, our solar system has relocated itself in the Milky Way, which is our galaxy. And our galaxy is now, our particular solar system, I should say, is now actually being affected in one of the other galaxies in the Milky Way that's called Andromeda. So that's a whole other teaching. I just want to make mention of it, but I'm not going to go deep into that right now. But the point is, is that as of 2013, there have been these galactic shiftings and changing and these particular degrees of movement that's actually have an effect. And as we begin to associate ourselves then, as part of that, we begin to have to look at some very, very definite questions, okay? Uh, before I get into that, I want to go on to saying that winter solstice to the ancient peoples and the indigenous peoples of North America, especially my ancestors of the Cherokee people, okay, have always seen the particular changes of the seasons as primary parts. So that fits into what we consider what some people call our medicine wheel or our sun wheel, which means we acknowledge four directions, okay, which would actually fall upon the different particular degrees of changes that we call seasons. The winter solstice being of the north and the teachings of the north lodge in the particulars, what we would consider north in our cardinal signs, has always been very powerful related to the collective of humanity and how we're growing no matter what location on the earth planet that we are, okay? And so when we see the sacred spots and the sacredness of what was happening, I would say uh, people, and, and there's two sides to his, always two sides, beloveds, but we started finding over the last 10 years that most all sacred sites started to be enclosed, and started to, we had to start paying admissions to get into certain places that were always very open and part of what I would consider the actuality of the knowledge of our planet. Because those sacred sites always have a huge amount of history, vibration, and collective grid knowledge that actually helps people when they walk into those particular fields of energy. Well, when we look at the fact that indigenous people have a lot of what we would consider and today is called earth art, okay, and some of those being the various mounds and stuff we have in particular areas of the Midwest and the, and the East Coast places, okay. Over in England, they always had one that was primarily always very acknowledging of the winter solstice, which is Stonehenge. So the point is, Places like Stonehenge exist all over the earth. Some of them not quite yet revealed or discovered or unearthed, so to say, okay? But what's been happening in the knowing and the passing around of people who are dealing with people who kind of stay behind the curtain but give out information from the scientific field and a lot of the other stuff uh, that our government and our particular uh, power points with people, political, whatever you'd like to call them, but definitely all the same, keeping it very closed from public knowledge, but working with the few, okay? So those hidden sources have not now started to reveal how many countries and many world powers are starting to wonder what all these things are, and of course the many satellites that we have now focusing on the earth as observers, okay, are picking up stuff. So as of this winter solstice, 
this one very powerful person who has a lot of interconnections with those who work with those particular satellites and all that kind of technology, uh, who remains very, very private, said to me, has anyone in the spiritual community brought up the fact that the earth is emanating some different codes and sending them out? And, uh, and I'm not talking just about the part of our community that are very much into UFOs and that. This would be a very sound scientific person. And I said, yes, our old ones have taught us about this time. And we are aware that there are communications that are being made. And he said, and it's happening in primary places like Stonehenge. There was uh, one of the particular satellites that picked up on an emanation, an, un an unusual emanation, because they knew there were constant emanations coming out of Stonehenge, that there is now a different one, something totally different. And then he begins to explain different places and locations of where there are other such changes and actually saying that they're aware that there's a galactic communication happening here. And I said, and your understanding or particular definition for galactic means it's going beyond our solar system. And he said, yes. Do you know where that would be? And I said, yes. I could tell you it's happening with the Pleiades right now and Sirius. And he goes, of course, this is a little pun, so we have the ability to laugh here. He goes, oh, really? Serious, huh? <laughs> and it's like, yes, but we're talking about the dog planet. And so basically these primary locations, which definitely one is Stonehenge, we're also looking at the pyramids, which has been discovered that there's a corridor that goes underground that moves into all of the pyramids, but when you get a back, and I think there's other people, I have not right now in my mind got that picture, but I'm sure I've heard Greg Braden and a few other people teach about the connections of the pyramids and how they realized the ancients used that. Well, those particular places are emanating the same code as Stonehenge, okay? And then there's places like the Serpent Mound and other places here in North America that are emanating that particular situation as well. And so there's some in Africa, there's some in Egypt, of course, there's some in Central Europe, okay, up in Siberia, there's a very powerful one. So obviously there something has turned on a particular vibrational earth frequency that's emanating out from our earth, not just coming in. There's constant energy, beloveds, when the satellites and everything are working, whether we know about it, news is telling us. There's constant emanations coming into Earth. There's constantly communication. There's constantly the stuff that's move, moving through our atmosphere, through the radio waves and all of the particular energy lines that move through our body all the time that we're not actually keyed into. It's what I mean when on Windows of the Mind I say there's a galactic conversation and we need to know what it's saying and be involved with it. Well, this is that what I'm talking about, okay? And so basically right now, our Earth herself is communicating out into the bigger picture. And she's not just talking to the solar system. She's talking outside the solar system and reaching very much into the Pleiades and into the field that if you looked up in the night sky and talked or looked at and understand any of the constellations, you would know that the series actually has a, a combination of what we would call systems or solar systems involved in it. Well, all of those are actually now in exchange with our planet. Not necessarily anything else in our planet, but of course, in, including our planet, she would emanate that out into our solar system. Our sun and everything else will be involved with that. And then they're noticing that since 2013, the different solar patterns that are happening and those particular things that deal with climate changes and stuff. These are all natural and unique to the earth, okay? And we have to look that ever, you know, when we say not recently, and some people say never in my lifetime, okay, but... There are cyclic situations that are larger than any of our lifetimes. It could be 200 years old. You know, one of the major cyclics of our particular Earth span is 125,000 years. So 
you know, if we're talking about this, we need to get in touch with instead of being fearful that we're being punished and that we've done so much bad that we can't correct it, that we really start needed to look at the solutions. Right now, what do we need to be doing? Okay? And then we move from there, not looking back to what's been done and what hasn't been done, but what we need to be doing right now. Okay? Clean energy, definitely. Okay? But then we just begin to move with that intelligence. So everything's talking. The point is everything's talking. And in this winter solstice, which basically in all cultures, long before clocks and computers, okay, people actually lived by the heavenly influence and knew all these changes by the way the constellations and everything moved. And basically on the ground level of the winter solstice, it was about survival, making sure you had stored up, making sure you had particulars in place making sure supplies were actually measured, and making make sure that you had backup. So a lot of the very practical things of life happened within the particular, what we would call the primitive time of our development, which obviously where we acted with more intelligence, okay, actually led us to be in a wholesome and more healthier state of life. And in that beginning to understand how that works, very recently, talking to a very advanced person that has worked many, many years uh, with different spiritual groups and people and, and actually a uh, Tibetan seer, had actually shared that how if people would begin to understand ourselves as energy, not just some composite of cells and flesh, but energy, that we would know that everything we do is either a contribution to or an apprehension to. It's not, there's no gray area. It is either positive or negative. And, and looking at all of the wonderful and powerful teachers that talk about energy, you know, nobody is giving you the option that there is a gray area or an area of grace. It is or it is not. It's black or it's white. It's positive or it's negative. There's no in between, okay? And so that being a principle, you have to realize that principle is because we, third dimensions, duality. Okay, what does duality mean? It means it has to always be made up of two parts. It has to have a contrast. So when we're looking at that logically, then we don't have to look and start immediately punishing ourselves with all the fear programs we've been taught and actually look at the healthy, intelligent level of that and saying, okay, knowing that, and knowing what needs to be better, what do we need to change? Okay, so the seer and all the teachers that have been doing the input and actually, you know, getting a lot of support and endorsement with the scientific level of this that are naturally saying, so everything we do is a contribution to where we will arrive. Okay, what does that mean? What does that mean to my wonderful friends in New York? Okay, and wonderful friends I have in Montreal. People who are in places where winters are very severe, you know, that they have a particular level of summer. And then what does that mean to the people out here in the Southwest? It usually has very mild, if any, winter at all. Okay, and lots of sun. Sometimes the sun becomes as intense as some snows are in other places where snow happens, okay? But knowing that there are all these particulars, contrasts that we need to look at. And the answer to that is, obviously we have to evolve back to understanding purity, the pure of something, okay? We can get out and blame all these people and have our, you know, have our rallies and all of our stuff and be against, and, and you know, uh, Monsanto and people who we say are doing the wrong things with our food and everything else. And we can do this and we can do that. Okay, that empowers that. You understand that. So anything we put ourselves against, we have given our power to. Okay, logical. That's how energy works. Okay, so then we have to look, and science proves that. Okay, science is always talking to us about that. So whatever you're focusing on and whatever you're giving your emotional reactions to and everything else, you're empowering that. So if you come against it, you're supporting it. If you're silent and you don't speak one way or the other or make that choice, there is no middle line that you can be on. 
you will fall to where your greatest emotion is, and that's always fear. So your silence, then, is a vote for whatever it is that you don't want to have happen. And we won't use the word don't here, because then again, that says that you don't understand, okay? So what we're going to say, whatever you, you have that you want to have happen, goes the opposite of that if you're being in a silent position on it. So you have to make the choice. And your choice, this is what I believe of human beings. And listen, I love humanity. I have spent 78 years of my life just studying humans and life as life is. I've studied the animals, the birds, the plants. And I watch humans interacting and all of our reactions to that and seeing the huge number, the, the total contrast and differences in us. And there's still such compassion I have such compassion for those who are wondering because in each and every one of us, as human, we have the seed of the Great Spirit in us. We are the children. We are the actual outcome of the one. So then in essence, no matter how horrible you are, whether we're looking at the serial killer or the mass warrior, Lord War, or some, you know, all of that, we have to look for what we learn from that to have any of what we would consider positive come from that. So when we're looking at everything and realizing we've become extremely dependent, we've become unearthly aware, which means not like our ancestors. Nobody looks up and realizes there's a full moon unless they have some sense of romance about it. Nobody looks up and says, okay, it's new moon and it's the time to do this. You know, no one looks at, even now, finding today, in 2018, seeing how many people didn't do winter solstice that some years back, maybe even five, ten years back, there were a lot of people doing these particular ceremonies and gatherings to, you know, accentuate this. Not happening. So we're getting further and further away from the natural inclination, which actually takes away then our perceptive abilities that we have that are born and actually within us all the time. So we look at the winter solstice and we know some things are changing. I've had a lot of people that I work with closely that I know are on the path of, of, of you know, conscious evolution that actually say, I keep feeling like something's coming. I feel, I feel, I'm like having constantly the sense of anticipation. Well, you will, because that's exactly what is happening. Okay, will, will you take the next step to have the courage to look at it and know what that's going to take? Maybe that's why you're not really seeing the full picture yet. Okay, because it's going to have to have all of us involved in order to have the transition be a very peaceful easy one. Without those that cannot deal with that contrast, then there will be some opposition that will create the turbulence. However it is, it is, and it's the choices we make. Okay, so right now, how could we make the difference with our food that we realize is so very, very valuable to what we're putting into the body? Obviously, what we're putting in is going to have some effect on how our body reacts and comes out. And I don't agree that, you know, this is my personal place. Don't, I don't want to have a bunch of people coming back through the emails and stuff and saying that they don't agree. I'm all right that you don't agree. But I don't agree that vegetarian living is, is exactly the choice either. Though I will share with you that basically by natural inclination and desire, I am based on vegetarian eating. I eat very little, have very little liking of any meat, okay? But I don't believe that that's the answer. I believe that healthy meat, and I know that when I have met people who have what I would consider free-range foods and meats and stuff, their vibrational field is very clear. So I'm not going to make any judgment on that. I'm just saying right now if we want to see any of that changed, then we have to be instrumental of that ourselves. So recently, when I was listening to all this, I thought to myself, what about my friends in New York and Montreal and all these other places that are in these high-rise apartments? And to, to actually talk to them about raising their own food, you know, that, that's not going to happen. 
So that's a whole large number of humans and a whole block of consciousness that sits in the place of futility because what are the answers to that? Well, if we understand energy, there's an answer to that. Get a house plant. Put in some kind of window garden. If you have an apartment, you don't have a patio. Put in a window garden. Because the fact that you are growing something, the very fact that you are in touch with nature in that sense, will empower and give energy to what we need to transform and happen. We want healthier food. We don't want something with chemicals in it. Okay, we don't want to keep poisoning our earth so that even the earth soil itself can't give us the particular minerals and materials that it needs to give so that when we look at a particular food and say that food's healthy for us, is it really still healthy for us today in the particular area it's raised, in the particular fertilizers it's been put in, into it? So how do we get involved with these things without being against them? Okay, well, we do what we know will work. At whatever level. You don't have to go create a big garden. If you don't have 11 acres, that's fine. Do you have the time to work 11 acres? No. So, okay. So you have this, this window in your apartment. And there are so many constructive ways, if you go on the internet, where people have made these little window frames to where they grow their herbs, you know, and they grow different things. And even if you're growing flowers, I have this one beautiful friend, and I just love her. She's such, she's such a lady. You know what I'm saying? She's, she's what most people would consider a uh, prissy lady, like she's prissy. I don't know if that term means anything to you, but it means, you know, a real dainty, feminine woman. You know, very, very refined. And so when we were talking about this and everything, and she said to me, you know, in a very proper, elegant way, you know, well, perish how, how would one expect someone like me to know how to raise herbs in my window, you know? And I just looked at her, and I love her dearly. Like I said, she's so generous and has so much compassion for those who have less than herself. And I thought, you know, grandmothers, I really want to say this to her in a way that will reward her for who she is. And, you know, okay, I totally agree. I can't even imagine that with her white gloves, she's going to start actually cultivating some kind of vegetables in her window or some herbs. You know what I mean? And when I looked at her with that, just, just all of a sudden come this beautiful flower. And I couldn't, I, I knew that I'd seen lots of them, but I couldn't actually put my finger on what the name of them was. And then when I asked her, I said, what is your favorite flower? And her name is Eunice. And Eunice said to me, Oh, I love these little plants that have these little tiny flowers, everything on her. And I said, They're African violets. I don't know. I just see them. And she says, And they're very dainty and very beautiful, really nice colors. And I said, That's beautiful, right? She said, yeah. And I said, Do you see yourself having a little window shelf put in and growing a variety of them? And maybe some other flowers that as you explore it, you see that you like them. And she said, and this is the question she asked me, okay, well then could I once in a while take them from the window and put them on the table? Well, it just so happens, knowing her apartment as I do, this big, huge picture window that she has is in a dining room. And of course, the sunlight hits her dining room table very fully. And she's always got some kind of ornate decoration in the middle of her table. And I said, that would be so perfect. You'd always have fresh flowers because she likes fresh cut flowers. She has them in her bedroom and in the bathroom. And so it's like, yes, I could do that. And I watched in, in finding that, because listen, I would. this is not rehearsed. This is not something that I was prepared to put forth. And in myself, I had already realized that planting herbs and stuff like that is what we put in our bodies. So that's kind of where my mindset was, okay? And she changed that for me, because I looked at her and realized that's her way of working with nature. And obviously, there are people like that all over our earth. There are those who, like when you go to Holland and you see fields and fields and fields of just beautiful tulips. You know, we don't eat the tulip, but our spirit rejoices in it. And in that way, emotionally, it feeds us, okay? And then I realize that there are the people who grow our grapes and that we get the beautiful wines from those grapes. 
And so there's all these various categories of what we would say, including the growing of something and the actual contribution or our interaction with nature in the growing part of it, the planting part of it, we could get some of that primary, primal force of nature back in touch with us by just doing these little things. In New York, I've contributed financially to what I would consider some of the what's labeled there the ghetto, and we call them the ghetto gardens to where people who are in very poverty uh, positions and everything, seed and, and uh, good soil and everything was brought in and all these nasty parking areas and open lots and everything that was just accumulating broken car parts, garbage and everything was cleaned out and cultivated and people started growing their food there. There was a consciousness change there. And there's a consciousness change every time we work with the soil and we plant seed and we participate in the growing of other life forms that actually feed and enhance the body altar that we are. Whether it's flowers, whether it's the herbs, whether any of you have a large space of land that you grow everything. So many of my friends that do have a pretty good sized land around their homes are all going to that hydroponic kind of gardening. They set up these, they order them from the internet, set up these little tent kind of things and have water running through them, no soil. And they, they're actually putting fish. There's another name for that. They're putting fish. And they're taking parts of that and fulfilling what are their food needs are from that. And there's a consciousness change in them. Okay, so instead of being against, what can we be for? You know, when we're looking at energy saving, okay, there's a lot of people that, you know, are not in a place where they feel that they want to pay the difference for a car that doesn't run on gasoline. Okay, well then how often could you make your trip someplace a healthy walk or a healthy bicycle ride? You know, how... how do you not have to start that gasoline car and run it? Especially, especially if you are in the mind frame that it's unhealthy and you have also heard the communication that talks about it as a pollutant. Now that you've heard that and you are thinking that, that's what you're making it. There are people who are not thinking that because they never heard that. And however few they are, they're not affecting it, okay? But we are those of us who are saying this is not a healthy thing, these fumes, and we need to change that. Well, if we can't all go out and get electric cars, which again is a, a, an energy that's not needed, we can go much higher than that. We just have to get to where we're so politically strong that we stand for the fact that we can actually have clean energy to where electricity isn't the resource. Electricity is still primal force. Okay, so when we're looking at all of this, we just seem, we, whatever we can do, however, what on every scale it is, you know, everybody keeps thinking we have to make all these major earthquake changes. No, go someplace where you can, you, at whatever level, in whatever way, you can start the difference. When I catch myself being, finding myself very much positioned in opposition to something, I realize, oh, well, you've got to change this because now you're feeding that. So I go get myself all emotionally wrapped up in something exciting that I'm doing different than that. And that helps me change it. Well, in what the satellites are seeing is that, you know, we're getting some good reports. What I would call good reports is that there's some differences being made. And I believe that's with all these people who are having patio gardens, who in New York are having, you know, on their high-rise apartments, they go out on their little patios or, you know, they're hanging things from their windows or whatever. And then people who have nice back porches or, you know, lawns or something, they're putting something more favorable to eating or whatever. People are more prong. I actually have two people that own nurseries, and they said that over the past three years they've sold, they've actually sold more fruit and food-bearing trees than they have shade trees. And they, you know, and they feel that if there's an extraordinary hype in that, that there's you know, like, like a, a huge number of change in that. So we know then that things are, you know, whatever number of people, are, these things are changing. So yes, we need to say we don't agree. Okay, we just don't need to embed it in ourselves. 
okay? There's no way you're going to go through life and not be able to show opposition or negative to something you don't agree with. Don't linger there, beloveds. Find a way to express an answer to it that is opposite of it being destructive. So when we're measuring what's happening in the earth, we have to begin to look at the far bigger picture of what we are to the earth. So a lot of folks, like I teach a lot of what I consider native spirituality, which is based on the galactic understanding that we are all things. We are in all things, right? So then one person had asked me, okay, so then most people who I teach on a regular basis calls me grandmother because it's a term of endearment. And they say, grandmother, how is it that I can actually believe that me, this microscopic unseen from the moon standing on earth, is actually having some effect on this massive universe that's even outside the moon and the solar system and, you know, the whole galactic thing. How, how could I possibly think that? And I says, well, you know, can I ask you something? Have you heard of any news lately where they've discovered other planets with human beings on it? No. I wonder why that is, don't you? Well, yeah, do you understand what it is? Well, what I do understand is right now what I know that I know is that I'm not in the universe. The universe is in me. And how I work with that and how I've come to understand that and make sense to me is I have to go to the cellular level of what I am as a being in a physical sort of way. So in my tradition, we don't think of the body as this organic thing that I am. I think of this body as an altar that I am expresses itself through in the physical world, in the more massive dense, density of energy. So my body is necessary and the vessel that I work through in that particular density and range and grid of energy. But then the I am that I am can move way beyond whatever the limitations of the density of the body is. And to understand that, then I have to go to the cell, don't I? The very cell of my body. Now think about this. In our body, everything that our body is made up can be found in a reflection of what our universe is, every organ, every part of our body. So that the structure, the physical structure, anatomy and physiology of our body is actually all sacred attunement to the whole of all what physical things or existence is. Now I go to the cell and I have to realize that in my body, this that makes up my physical body, are trillions of cells. Trillions. Now, can you even fathom what the number trillion looks like? Can you actually see a trillion of anything? No. You know, to, to actually think that I can sit here and tell you what I know a trillion things look like, no. But I know it's a big number, right? I know it big. It's massive. Trillions. And I know that there are trillions, plural, trillions of cells that make up what my physical body altar is. So our word for body is altar. An altar is what? Where the macro and the micro meet and at the point of where we actually emanate life and light. Okay? Good. Now when I go to the cellular understanding of that, all of these trillions of cells in this organic body, be they different cellular uh, particulars, like my liver cells are different than any other cells, or they would all be jello. So each cell in the organs, or every organ, I should say, has a different cellular vibration and, and actually embodiment. So all the cells are different in different parts of our body. But they each have a nucleus. So when I look at how microscopically small the nucleus of every cell, these trillions of cells in my body are, 
and that it's so small and so tiny and so unexplored because that's where we're exploring what DNA is, the actual range and effects and what does DNA really mean and what what can it, what does it really show us in the overall big picture. We haven't discovered that yet. We're exploring it. We have certain levels of accuracy with it and others are purely still out there in the unknown. Okay. Now, to the body as a mass, how do you focus that the body that you are in mass is absolutely, totally represented in that nucleus that's so microscopically small, you would have to look under very, very high magnification to even find it. And that if you took a, a shaker of black pepper and you shook it across a field of mashed potatoes and you saw each little dot of that black pepper on those potatoes, you're what we would call the nucleus is even smaller than that, undetectably small, according to those mashed potatoes. And then you realize that each one of them is the totality of what you are as a whole body. So all that your body is and all that your mind is has conceived and all that that is, is now put and exist right there in that little nucleus inside the cell and the trillions of cells that make up your body mass. They're all duplicates of you. Trillions of duplicates of you, the total you, in that little microscopic place. So that when we look at that, yes, as we, we were looking through a window or anything from the moon, we couldn't see our little body cells running around on the earth. Okay, no more than when we look through any kind of average level microscope, neither can we see the cells. But we know all the same, all of them are firing and creating everything that the body activity and the body existence is. So then when I can think about that and still know that my DNA is unexplored, it ha we haven't even scratched the surface of DNA, and then I will need to think about how could something like a human being have such effects as a total universe? Beloveds, I don't have a hard time with that. I can put that together in my mind knowing that as that minute speck that I'm calling a nucleus inside myself is no different than this human being inside this whole universe. And then to expect that I'm going to find the same as this in another Petri dish someplace, I don't entertain that. I don't expect that and I'm not looking for that. I just know that there are other levels and experiences of life. And I accept all of that, have explored it, and have experienced it. So then we have to come back to say that if that cell is the totality of what we are as a body, then the more we learn, the more effective we are, and the more we broadcast and emanate into the whole of the grid or energy field that actually becomes the collective consciousness of humanity. So when we stop and have to look at what we want to judge in comparisons and contrasts and make whatever is different wrong, we wouldn't, we wouldn't have very much left, would we? So then when we start finding how it all fits and how it's all allowed, and that if it is physical, it's been created such, even if it's of its own making, and how do we deal with that? You know, I have the children that I work with, the youth program I work with, and sometimes they ask me, like, uh, Grandma, if we had, if aliens showed up, you know, how how would we live with them? Would it be better than how we live with people that are different? And I say, can you give me more on that? Well, you know, there are black people, there are white people, there are Asian people that are yellow, you know, there's native people who are red. 
and none of them get along. All of them are different. Everybody is in turmoil with each other. So now what if we have some blue people come? What if we have some people come that don't have the same kind of face we do? Because we're, you know, people here now all have the same kind, kind of face, two arms, two legs. We have a nose, nice. So there's some similarities. What if something comes that doesn't look like that, like from Star Wars? How would we get along with them? And it's like a good question. How do you feel you could get along with them? And they said, well, I love my dog, and my dog don't look like me. Uh, some of the girls had said they had birds. I love my birds, but my birds don't look like me. But they're alive. They're a living thing that exists within my world. And I said, and so if we could take that concept that you're feeling, that reality that you have, and let you have that with everything that has been given life, what do you think we would end up with? And they said, harmony. And do you not see that? So when we stop being against something, we stop being against humanity at some level. Other human beings have the same seed of humanity. We come like the great field and the great meadows and valleys of our world. We come in different flavors and scents and colors, textures. Some of us have different colors. Sometimes our hair is different, like the blades of grass. So if we saw humanity as this great valley of beautiful flowers and differences and contrast that makes such a vivid, beautiful, beautiful presentation of life, how can we not transfer that to humanity? So going against impairs what we want to have happen. So as long as we're against, we're in the negative. No, how, no matter how much you try to justify it, it's still negative. So if we come back and find a way to put it into perspective as something that we can change, or even as something we can express in our way of what we feel is beauty or what we feel is love or, or how we see a resolving of a difference, if we can do it in that way, that's wonderful to speak harmful of anyone or anything is to harm ourselves. So to gossip and have such political anger and rage and such ugly, disrespectful stuff being said, how can we be intelligent and not know the outcome of that does not empower and will never be of what we would consider safe and secure living? To deal with it is, it is what it is, says if you don't particularly find favor or harmony in that, then enhance this other. But enhancing does not say that I am calling it bad names and saying bad things about it. I'm still negative. But to put my song, my energy, my smile, my happiness to something that I do want... I cannot give attention to that over there. I cannot make that wrong. I cannot have anger with it. I cannot want to say hurtful things to it. I have to be so much in my song and so present with what I'm finding, the beauty that I want to emanate in, that that's not anything that I'm dealing with. So when we're doing that, that nucleus, you know, that little, little nucleus inside that cell, is tuning itself to the whole of nature and the universe. And how how powerful could you be? Well, if you had a thousand or a trillion soldiers, let's just make them warriors. If we had a trillion warriors that were just available to help nurture and to help make things work, to help put things into a very life-giving way, not to kill or destroy, but to enhance and plant life. Mm, how powerful could that be? A trillion warriors of peace. Pretty powerful. 
And each one of us is that power. And each one of us are that at the very core of our nucleus, in those trillions of cells that make up our body. And that's how we are a galactic player. That is the galactic hum that's going on. And it is the place to whether we want to say there has to be other life forms in the universe. Oh, there are trillions of life forms in the universe. But are they humanity? You are humanity. You are not in the universe. You are the universe. And as I've learned in my many years of study and my excitement with science is to find how that astro astronomical existence is there, how much of that is here in us. Oh, beloved, stop minimizing yourself. Explore yourself from the very highest peak of reality that you have. Allow yourself to live in a harmony and a beauty that really truly exists inside of you. Over my life I have worked with people who they have been ruled and determined to be serial killers and people who are they consider are very low life participants in prostitution and people who actually are gangsters and everything and I have learned of them compassion. I look at them and in the energy that I am so gracefully blessed with to see where eyes can't always go. They are a seed of God. They are a child of God. And whatever they're acting out, either the Judas or the Christ, they are still here of purpose. How do I stop such as that? I find it and I put it in a safe place so that it cannot act out whatever destruction it feels and needs. But I have found in every one of these such people when I ask the final question of why do you want to be like that? They don't know. They don't know and they'll tell you they don't know. And they'll also tell you if we're talking about the serial killers and the murderers, They'll tell you, please stop me. I want to be stopped. But neither can they control it, nor do they know how. Okay, at some level, your negativity has put you in that same field. And you're not dealing with your negativity as something you can control, something you can make a difference. If I know that everything I'm feeling is what I'm receiving and what I'm magnetizing to myself, such as wonderful things that are taught like when I have and I'm interviewing John, I mean Michael Lossier in our uh, book club here and we talk about the positive and negative. If on the very simple level of truth, if we know that what we're putting out is what we're bringing in. Remember but way back in the early metaphysical days, back in the 60s and 70s, garbage in, garbage out, okay? Well, then we know that that's what we're going to get. So if I'm thinking very bad things about these people, if I'm not thinking as a God that I want to worship, would think, allow, forgive, enhance, reborn, then I'm not going to have that. Because I've decided not to have that. By my very actions, I have so made it happen. So positive, no in-between. Positive or negative. When I catch myself talking about negative things, to change that. To actually look at how I talk and the words I use. And are they life-enhancing or are they trimming and, and pruning life away? To know when to actually prune the tree and the season for that and the right time to enhance the growth of the plant. It's no different than changing the things within your beautiful mind. Inside the mind, you have programs that have been there from the environmental world you came into. But when you entered into this world, you entered into the biggest race and competition of life you will ever have. Out of the millions of sperm going for the cell, you succeeded. You've arrived now. The challenges are still on. 
remember you were born a champion and in that champion position you can make it through all of these challenges stay positive find out what you have to change to be positive allow the contrast and not go against but be totally immersed in what can be for and what you can enhance see our world as the possibilities that we have come play with us and join us in our book club on Wednesdays and then you listen you can listen to our excitement and the things we're playing with all through the week you know come back on the windows in your mind and listen to me go on and on and on and talk to you I love you dearly so many times while I'm in the place of making the particular recordings of our program some of you pop up in my face and then I see you there and then when I go to check different things on Facebook and in my emails there you are so I know that you're close and I know that you're emerging and I know that you are making these pathways you are contributing to the unfolding and the birthing of pure consciousness keep it strong keep it clear you are love you are created of love live life as love so they're telling me my time's running up here and I'm going to have to scoot off for this week and I hope that your week actually stays very very much on key in fact I don't hope I send out to you the command and the support that says live holy as you wish all life to be. I love you and stay very very clear in your thinking. Oseo Thank you for listening to Grandmother Parisha on your journey to the windows in your mind. For further information or to contact Grandmother, please visit parishas-world.com. P-A-R-I-S-H-A-S-world.com.
Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.